Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome to another episode of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew University. And joining me today via Zoom is interim manager of Methodist Library and Special Collections, Candice Riley. Hello, Candice. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing today? Doing great. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. So what do you have for us? So today I have one of my favorite books, and I feel like I say that all the time, but this is, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. This is The Compendium of Works by Surgeon Ambrose Paré, and it is quite a large book, and we're, I'm going to talk about a few subsections of this large tome today. So before we get into the book, Ambrose Paré was a surgeon to four different kings of France in the 16th century, which is, is quite impressive. So he was a barber surgeon, and the term barber surgeon comes from barbers having the sharp tools, right, to, to give haircuts, but they also were the ones to do a lot of surgery. Ambrose Perret was the best barber surgeon you could possibly think of in France, obviously to be a surgeon to four different kings in France. He was also um, going off to war and supporting the soldiers, and he also developed quite a lot of new practices and different ideas about surgery. And this book talks about what he developed, which is really wonderful. So the way Ambrose Paré's work would have been published, though, would have been in these like sub pamphlets that would have been printed like for each section. You could then acquire that work. This is a later printing of all of his works together. Oh, OK. Which is why we liked this volume. We bought it about three years ago because it's, it gives you a holistic view of Ambrose Paré's work and has these really wonderful engravings throughout that he quote unquote borrowed from other scientists. Copyright was not a thing back then. So um, we'll look, talk about throughout how some of these images of skeletons or really interesting forms of the body were not his own. Some of these were, but there's about, I would think, a few hundred um, engravings throughout this book. Oh, that's fantastic. And that was one of the reasons we loved it. And um, the book is printed in French, which makes it also more accessible to an audience to read because a lot of the times these surgical manuals would be in Latin, but for it to be put in the vernacular means more people can then engage with the book, which is really important to think about. So the first section we're looking at with Paré's text is looking at the dissections of the human body. So being a surgeon, it is obviously very important to know where all the organs are, where the bones are, where the muscles are. And he has these great diagrams throughout the book with this image of the body, which you can see the organs exposed, and then an alphabetical listing identifying which each organ is. And he has all these different types of little indexes throughout. You see um, these, there's great ones of the different views of the brain. This is one of the ones that I say is quote unquote borrowed from okay. Vesalius. Uh, Vesalius, which predates Paré, had these wonderful images of um, especially the brain, the brain stem, as well as kind of muscles falling off the body, which are, are very artistic ways of looking at the human form. And a, a great thing that we see in these engravings is not just a static form. You don't just have kind of a body standing straight forward, you're seeing them shown in contrapposto, which is kind of a fancy art historical term, where they're leaning a certain way and having their foot on the ground. The body's in a little bit more relaxed state, showing how the body hangs. Okay. And you see that as well with how the neck is turning in some of how the upper forms of the body. 
So you can see how the muscles are actually moving, they're engaged, which is very important for a surgeon to see. There's a, a wonderful image um, in this book of a skeleton holding his own shovel. So this is what I'm saying. It's like he kind of had that little humor and artistry applied to some of these images that a surgeon will not need to see, but it's there that he, you know, he borrowed from somebody else that was presenting maybe a little bit more of an artistic text because this is really a manual. So the skeleton is, is leaning over a shovel, you know, remarking on the fact that, you know, this is a dead form. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, the, that was, you know, the, the best one he could get for his purposes, so to speak. I think he had, he had a good pick of them, um, but I think it may have been one that he, he enjoyed. And mm. on the reverse page, this, you see the back of the skeleton, he's leaning over and there's a scythe on the ground that he's leaning on, which we think about now an image of the Grim Reaper, right? right. Which, you know, is carrying the scythe. We're seeing this already in the 16th century of a skeleton holding a scythe, which is, is really fascinating. And if we get a little bit further in the book, we see the images that he bought, another one borrowing from Vesalius, of a human form, half of it is completely, you know, normal with the skin still intact. And the other half of the body has the flesh kind of falling off of it. And sorry, listeners, if it's making you a little bit squeamish, but this is how he's showing the formation of the muscles, which is very important for him and for his um, readers to understand. Then you go on to different sections on surgical tools. He talks about different ways to um, sew up uh, ligatures, instead of just doing cauterization, he thinks this is a better way to prevent infection. And one of Paré's most interesting studies was on the bezoar. And do you know what a bezoar stone is, Andrew? No, no, I haven't heard of that before. So a bezoar is a stone that grows in the belly of a sheep or goat. So kind okay. of gross, but it was believed to then cure humans if you were poisoned. So if you swallowed that stone, it would believe to be a cure-all. And actually it is mentioned in the Harry Potter books when one of the students is poisoned and they then give that student a bezoar stone to save that student from dying. Oh, you know what? Now that you say that, that that does sound familiar. Yeah. So it's, it's not just a JK Rowling invention. This is going <laughs> back to old science and medicine. So Paré was you know, living in this culture that believing that the bezoar was a cure-all. Well, he was saying, I don't think it cures everything. So there's this wonderful story attached to this that he wanted to test it out. So being a surgeon to four different kings of France, he had access that not everybody did. So a chef of the kings was stealing silver, which is obviously something you should not be doing. Right. He got caught and then was sentenced to death. But Paré said, don't kill him. Let me test my theory on him. So I will poison him, but then I will give him a bezoar. If he lives, he lives. I tested my theory. If he dies, he was going to die anyway. So kind of like, it's, it's all good. A little live human experimentation. Yes. So um, Paré poisons him. Then he gives him the bezoar. And then the chef dies painfully hours later. Not great for the chef, but really good for Paré because then he discovered that the bezoar stone is not a cure-all. And he writes about that in this text. And actually we have some annotations in the margins of that, noting the importance of this bezoar passage, because it's now talking about how we cannot think of the bezoar as the way we have been thinking about it, that we have to think of other poison remedies. Wow. Makes me wonder if there's an ethics section of this manual. No, there is not. <laughs> There should be, though. And Paré then also talks about other types of medical science. 
And this is where you get into a section on monsters. And he deems monsters in two different categories. Monsters that come from natural means. So let's say um, any birth defects. And then monsters that come from outside of our natural universe. So things that look more demonic, maybe like animals or things you cannot explain. So kind of the explainable and the unexplainable. Okay, wow. Yeah, these are some interesting illustrations. And I have to say, I was not expecting a section on monsters here. No, and that's kind of like the great sneak peek I like to save for the end of this manual, because no student is expecting a section on a centaur <laughs> when you're talking about certain tools. <laughs> But he is not just saying, okay, these are things that are, you know, fake and they're out there. He is saying these are all real. And in the passages beneath the images, he gives the account of where these beings have been seen, you know, the time, the date, the location, if he can have a name, he lists it. So he doesn't have a very scientific way to explain what has been told. And there's um, one example of an image of a woman holding a hula hoop underneath her pregnant belly because it's saying that she's carrying 36 children at the same time. Oh, wow. Another story is a maid was cooking breakfast for the family she worked for and she cracked an egg. And out of that egg came a Medusa-like head. So a head with all these snakes crawling out of it. Mm. The maid screamed, ran away to get help. And when she came back, the cat ate the little Medusa head and died. So a likely have, story. <laughs> yes. So you have the image of a little Medusa head, but you know it's remarking that we don't have it for scientific purposes. We have an image of a, a sheep with three heads. So noting these um, types of birth defects. And then we have some great images of sea creatures. And that's one of my favorite parts of this book. So he goes into these stories that people have seen on their sea travels. We have um, an image of two mer people, where they each have fins, traditional to how we've seen um, mer people iconography, and they have hands, and they kind of are doing like a little, it looks like a dance. They have their hands like uh, placed all around their bodies. Yeah. But they also have uh, flippered feet in addition to their tails. So they oh, yeah, have look at that. two different forms of movement here. So kind of like duck feet. In addition to the mer people, we have creatures named the sea monk, and the sea bishop. And that's not just me making up names. That is what is deemed in the book by Paré. And these creatures have actually been talked about for quite some time. You will see them in the margins of maps, like these, these older maps of sea creatures right. in um, the water. But um, you see them in Paré's book as well, you know, talking about where they have been located. You have um, a one creature who is looks a little bit like a human, but has a tail of a fish as well, and kind of walks on top of the water. But you have also creatures that we know of as real included in these monstrous creatures, like a seal or <laughs> a giraffe, which we see later on. So you have this kind of mix of what we know is real, but then this also storyline of these monstrous creatures that we know are, are not true, like a sea pig with these giant tusks. There's a, a large sea cat here which i mean we know of catfish but it looks like an actual face of a cat with the back of a lizard kind of with fish scales and flippered feet and his name is listed here as the fish named orabon it has a name it has a name 
And mm-hmm. our joke in the archives was, um, this is the Garfield fish of the sea. <laughs> he hates Mern days. <laughs> so some awful humor for you. Uh... But it's a really fascinating text and um, highly encourage people to engage with this one when the archives does reopen because there's an image on almost every other page and there are wonderful stories about these creatures. I'm pretty certain that there is an English translation available online for the monster section. So if you're interested in looking into that further, do let us know and I can send that to you. Oh, good. But it's it's this really wonderful compendium of what science and medicine was like in the 16th century um, from Paré's point of view. One thing I wanted to ask is, in the uh, scientific surgical part, it seemed like the illustrations that we saw were predominantly the male body. Yes. Are there any female bodies? Um, I did not see any okay. naked bodies of the female form. You do have some bodies of females with like the mer people or right. um, the pregnant woman. But when you're looking at the anatomy of the male, it's primar- it's primarily done of, of, of the male body. And you see that as well in a lot of texts of Vesalius. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know why. I don't have an answer for you why that was done. Yeah. So like childbirth is not something that we're interested in not anatomizing. In text, not yeah. in Paris text. But we have a, a lot in it in, in this book. There's this whole section as well on different parasites too that could come into your body. Oh boy. And there's an image of a, it's of a man who's actually upside down because it's showing the parasite in his body at a certain angle and how you need to remove it. Kind oh, of wow. disgusting. Um, yeah. He goes into this, he goes into tumors. So it's a pretty substantial compendium of his works. But no, um, not that I'm aware of. I have not read everything in completion um, mm-hmm. talking about um, the process of giving birth. But we do have other books in our collection that are focused on obstetrics. Well, this is great. Thanks for sharing this with us, Candace. You're very welcome. That's our show. Be sure to check out the images of the materials we've discussed on this and other episodes of Drew Archives in 10 by visiting the Drew Archives and Special Collections website at www.drew.edu forward slash library forward slash media. You can also check out images of the archives material at the Drew University Participatory Archives at dupaarchive.org. There's a lot of great stuff there, so be sure to check it out. For myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Candace Riley, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Drew Archives in 10. <laughs>